0: Thank you all for coming, I appreciate it. This is my story. As I stare at a blank page preparing to write my testimony, my stomach begins to nod up. I feel the shame overtake my body, and I wonder why I would ever want to reveal my secret life to others. A life I try so hard to hide for so many years. See, my story is one of broken relationships, addictions, fear, lost identity, skewed perceptions, self-hatred, insecurity, and shame. I never thought I would share it with anyone. I don't even like to think about it myself. I recall many times in my life when I just wanted to get through it because the pain was so bad and intense. Much of my life I have revealed to very few, even my parents. Many had an inkling of my life, but never the full featured presentation. I couldn't reveal it; I was too ashamed. Well, the reason I want to share my life with you now is because I don't live in shame anymore. And God calls us to give our testimony to strengthen the body of Christ. It is my hope that the glory of God our Father will be revealed to you through the sharing of my life The only thing I had to do was be a willing participant. As a matter of background, excuse me, I gotta adjust this. As a matter of background, I was the firstborn of three in the early 60s, nine months after my parents were married, and I was baptized Catholic. My father, a recent convert to Catholicism, took a job in the insurance industry nine months after I was born and mom stayed home to raise me and my siblings. Dad was away a lot to grow the business to pay for his young family. I bonded closely with my mother. I have many great memories of spending time with my mother and I have a few with my father. Everything was perfect in my world. I felt loved well-adjusted and cared for or so i thought let me say a few words about reality versus perception our perception of an incident in life in a incident or a life event is our reality i might view something as traumatic event but another person might view it as nothing I was developing into a hypersensitive polite loyal caring boy and anything said or not said to me I took to heart many of those early incidents in my life I began to use as bricks to build a wall to protect me against what I perceived as an insensitive world when I was four or five I do recall an incident that stayed with me until this day I was with my father in the car riding home from his office, a place I love to go. And all of a sudden, the passenger door flew open and I remember staring at the cement uh, road zooming under me. Thankfully, my father quickly grabbed me in the nick of time. My heart stopped. I'd never been so scared in all my life. I remember looking at my father for comfort and all he did was laugh. I couldn't believe it. I know in my heart, or in my mind, he was just laughing it off, but in my heart, I was, it was devastating and it was the first brick in my wall. I remember playing office with my brother and sister as a young child because I wanted to make my dad proud and be just like him. That's completely normal. I wanted to please him more than anything. I remember playing sports with the kids in the neighborhoods. The competition was relentless. It seems every sport I tried, I failed miserably. I had no patience with myself, wanted to be excellent added immediately. My first feelings of being awkward around other boys started to creep in. Anytime I was asked to play any sports, my stomach began to nod up. I began to avoid sports as best as I could. However, at age six, even though I fell out of my comfort zone and I really wasn't that big into sports, I decided to give softball a shot because I wanted to relate to my father more closely and make him proud. Well, that was a disaster. I would pray the coach would never put me in to play. I sucked. I couldn't hit or catch or really didn't understand the game at all. All I remember is people yelled at me on the field from the sidelines of what I was supposed to do and it flustered me even more. Then that fateful day came. I was playing right field that game, praying no one would hit a ball to me. Well, what do you think happened? You guessed it, one of the other team's best hitters, who was a lefty, came to bat. Oh, please, God, no. Oh, please, God, no. Oh, please, God, crack! It's a pop fly ball to deep right field. I could see it coming at me. I held my glove out in the off chance the ball would land in it. (laughs) oh dear god please let it land in it everyone had their eyes on me my dad especially the ball landed behind me i missed it by a long shot the boy was running the bases i blanked out i was humiliated and felt the shame cast over me i looked at my dad nothing i wanted to leave forever the ride home was terrible my dad said nothing i dropped out of softball and swore off sports as stupid and competitive nonsense. That wall got bigger that day. More bricks were added to the wall between me and my dad and me and my gender. I felt as though my father was ashamed of me. See, we really didn't talk about much anymore. I felt I didn't have much in common with him. Satan had his foot in my life. Life went on, I tried my best at relating to my father and I know he tried his best at relating to me. I immersed myself into exceeding at school and had many hobbies. He showed interest in my hobbies and took time to help with many things in my life. I knew in my mind my father loved me, but in my heart I wasn't so sure. I wish many times I was good at sports like the other boys so my dad would relate to me better, but the damage was done my disconnection to my dad and somewhat to my gender had taken place and i didn't know how to fix it or even explain it to anyone i held my shame in and guarded my feelings relentlessly my father would be the last one i would show my weaknesses to i just didn't want to disappoint him my heart was broken and i felt all alone However, at the time, I didn't recognize the brokenness taking place in my life. Satan was waiting to pounce again. During my early teens, I attended a Christian concert with a couple of friends. During that event, at the Paramount Theater, I gave my life to Christ. Even though I was raised Catholic and completed all the sacraments, it was at this event I believe Christ began to carry me throughout the many years to follow. Puberty was a tough time for me. I experienced inappropriate sexual behavior in my early teens with some friends. It was completely a new experience. I never thought about sex before that time and still didn't understand it as a sexual experience. Those experiences, even though they felt great at the moment, left me feeling ashamed. That behavior lasted until I decided to change my whole life. I wanted a fresh start. I wanted to be free of that shame. I was excelling in academics and found that I could compete in that realm, so I decided to attend a Catholic high school. Of course, that only changed the surface of my life, which I tried so desperately to manage. I met new friends and left my shameful past behind, or so I thought. Lots of changes in life during those high school years. Dating, maturing, finding peace with your gender, setting goals, learning about love. I tried to give the impression on the outside that I was a happy, well-adjusted young man with not a problem in the world. On the inside, I was a mess. Awkward, shy, insecure, lost and emotionally stunted. I felt ugly, weak, unlovable, and fearful. I didn't understand why I ever never got the sexual excitement over women like the rest of the guys. I thought something was seriously wrong with me. Plus, who would I ever talk to about it? I found my answer, alcohol. Alcohol took all that away and got me through those awkward times with the people and events. Alcohol became my friend my good friend and was my partner or pacifier for many years to come University of Iowa here I come Wow, I'm on my way now. Well sort of no parents anyway (laughs) Yikes Satan steps into my life in a big way. I'm 19 and now in pre-med at Iowa thinking I'm never gonna get through All the social events and situations required in life because of my poor self-image. Well, I'll give it a stab. What does happen is I experience freedom like never before without the emotional maturity to know when to stop. My best friend from high school and I are dorm mates. We're having a great time, I thought. On Halloween Eve freshman year, my friend and his girlfriend decided to take me to a gay bar because the music was great. I said, sure, I really didn't have any idea what that was anyway. Yes, I was naive. Well, that night changed my life forever. As soon as I walked into the bar, I got noticed. Before that night, I was always the guy in the background. At the gay bar, I felt wanted. I felt desired, wow, what a feeling. That released something in me as well. I now understood why my sexuality never came alive. It's because I'm gay. That bar and that life began to take over in my life. Slowly, God was getting pushed aside. Now it was all about doing what made me feel alive. I felt like I fit in for the first time. Everything started to make sense, or so I thought. Quickly, I opened my heart to a young man I thought I loved. We dated a few times, but it faded quickly. This put me in a tailspin. I was so emotionally immature and insecure, I was devastated. Rejected by my first gay love, I took a bunch of aspirin and ended up in the hospital. It was an attempted suicide. I was humiliated again. The shame was heavy. I tried to shake it off, and I did for a time. As I reflected on the time in my life, I realized how the severity of my fragile emotional state of mind. It was awful. I really couldn't talk to anyone about it because I was embarrassed of my behavior and who I was becoming. It was sometime during my freshman year in college that I came home one weekend knowing I had to tell my parents that I was gay. It was a frightening experience. So scary that I went out drinking first and came home at 3 a.m. and woke them up to tell them. I barely remember the conversation. I think my mother said we still love you or something to that effect, and my father said nothing. Yes, nothing. I couldn't have felt further for my father than in that moment but i believe those bricks i had set up between us was now turning into anger for me at the time i was unforgiving i I think the mic went out (laughs) excuse me now thank God I am mechanically inclined (laughs) I did get that from my father it was sometime during my I'm gonna start that whole part over again it was sometime during my freshman year in college that I came home one weekend knowing I had to tell my parents that I was gay. It was a frightening experience. So scary that I went out drinking first and came home at 3 a.m. and woke them up to tell them. I barely remember the conversation. I think my mother said, we still love you or something to that effect. And my father said nothing. Yes, nothing. I couldn't have felt further from the for fa- my father than in that moment. But I believe those bricks I set up between us was now turning into anger for me. At the time, I was unforgiving and angry at my father and God for how I perceived my father in my life, which was continuing to percolate. Somehow I made it through my freshman year in college and I moved home for the summer. My focus was to seek pleasure through drugs, Alcohol and sex school became a secondary thought I wanted to find Someone to love me and to love I tried to keep my life secret from the important people in my life I know they had to be worried. My life was becoming a mess. I lost focus. I got a part-time job at a bank For the summer and got an apartment with my high school friend I think I was drinking and partying most every night of the week. Soon I lost my job because of my tardiness and at the last minute I decided to enroll for sophomore year at college in Iowa. All I did that year was collect the student loan money and go party. I lived with various friends and never went to class. My money money ran out quickly and so did my welcome at all my friends. My parents came and rescued me from my dilemma. I tucked my tail between my legs and moved home. I was a lost soul, living at home and working part time at a grocery store a few blocks away from my house. I was still going out every night and seeking pleasure. My parents had to be beside themselves. Help! I was screaming inside and they heard it. It was February 1984 and at 22 years of age, I was admitted to Shanklin 30-day rehab center in Monticello, Iowa. Praise the Lord. Shanklin was an island in the storm of my life and the beginning of my recovery from the shame of addiction to the reparation of the relationships in my life. It's been a long and arduous process and still isn't complete. The rehab program was awesome. It forced me to open up with my parents and talk. I felt close to my father for the first time in years and felt his love for me as well as the love of my Heavenly Father. It was a time for a new chapter in my life. I had some focus and direction. I started a new job at an up-and-coming telecommunications company in town and was finally making a living. The introductory job led to an 18 year career in the telecom industry i quickly fell off the wagon after rehab which is not unusual i tried to talk myself into being able to handle it however soon after thinking i had it handled during an evening of drinking and seeking pleasure i took a bunch of aspirin again to end my miserable life within six months of getting out of rehab i tried to commit suicide again what an emotional roller coaster. I spent a night or two in the psych ward at St. Luke's Hospital. Many came to pray with me and over me during my stay. It was during this time in the hospital that I knew suicide should never be the answer and would never attempt again. I was soon out of the hospital saying I was okay, but started drinking again in a week or two. Then one night at a party I was so drunk I tried to start a fight with someone I don't even remember. I ended up hitting my head on the curb and suffered from a serious head injury. I was in the hospital for days and had several weeks of recovery time at my parents. I don't know how I did it, but I managed to keep my job through all of it. This event was a wake-up call for me. I decided drinking was not for me, at least for a while. During a year and a half of sobriety, I got very focused and emotionally matured a bit. At age 23, I enrolled in college again and was getting good grades. I had focus to my life and was promoted into the marketing department as a product analyst with Teleconnect. I had a career. Still deep down there was a lot of brokenness and wounds. I was still frequenting the gay bars but could stay away from the drinking. I do recall that occasionally I would smoke a joint to escape the pain of emptiness in my life. It was during this time in my life that I began to truly live a double life. I couldn't bring myself to admit to anyone that I was attracted to the same sex. So I would go out with all my straight friends early in the evening and try to fit in as best as possible. Late in the evening, I would break away and go to the gay bars and live my second life. The truth is, after being around gay li- the gay lifestyle, I found really I really didn't fit in that well into the lifestyle either. So I felt outside both lifestyles. I believe the Lord opened my eyes to the truth of all the broken lives I experienced while trying to adjust my life as a gay man. I knew that lifestyle was not the answer for a man living a godly life. God wanted me completely, no strings attached, and I had no idea how long that would take. I would pray to God to take away my attraction for men, reasoning that would make my life so much better and less messy. Then I just would be on my way in life. I had no idea what a relationship was or how to develop one spiritually or physically. Well, I can tell you God knows and has the time to wait and teach those who don't know. During my mid-20s, I felt I had control over how my life was going and the direction in which it was moving. I was managing my two lives without too much worry. It was during a trip to Los Angeles, visiting my best friend from high school, that I decided to have a drink or two. And after a year and a half of sobriety, I easily justified it, telling myself, hey, I am enrolled in school part-time with a solid career path in front of me. I can handle this. It's no big deal. Everyone drinks. Besides, it was the alcohol that helped me feel more confident and comfortable in social settings. So began decades of controlled drinking and uncontrolled drinking sexual addiction, chasing unfulfilling relationships, and trying to fill the brokenness and voids in my life in the ways I thought would fill them. By the grace of God, I functioned decently for several years and advanced in my career in the telecom industry. While moving forward with my education goals, However, on the inside, I felt more and more shame as the effects of living this broken life started to suffocate me. As the 80s were drawing to a close, a major roadblock was ahead. In November of 89, I was terminated from the job I loved and the career I thought would carry me through my life. I never really understood exactly why I was terminated from the job, but I was too ashamed to really want to know or understand. I just wanted to move forward and leave it behind me. After several months of soul searching, it became clear to me that it was now time to enroll in college full-time and finish before I turned 30. At age 28, I moved to Iowa City to attend college full-time, and this time I was a little better prepared and more mature. I made it through the Bachelor's of Business Administration program with a major in finance and graduated in December of 1991. It was not what I initially started school to study, but it was something I could be proud of. Now what to do? I really wanted to get back into the telecom industry, but I had been out of the industry for two years. Who would ever hire me? Well, lo and behold, a vice president who had had worked for Telecom USA, whom I worked for in the past, was now working for management recruiters. I don't know how he found out that I graduated from college, but he set me up with an interview at a company located in San Antonio, Texas. I got the job. Two months after graduation, I was working in the industry I loved in an awesome town in Texas. That had God written all over it. I felt truly blessed. I moved to Texas and brought all of my baggage with me, literally and figuratively. It was the baggage that scared me. I felt trapped and thought God really didn't have an answer for me. I thought I'm just going to have to live a double life for the rest of my life. Alcohol was still my very good friend. I felt I needed it to deal with all my feelings and emptiness in life. I was still looking for those broken relationships with men to help me feel complete. I was in a downward spiral again. In only a year and a half, I managed to derail my career with US long distance in San Antonio, Texas. I was scared for my life. I just wanted to get it over with. I didn't wanna die, I just wanted to get it through it. It was too painful. It was in San Antonio that I first began to see what sort of groups were around to help people who struggle with homosexuality. I did go to a meeting or two, but felt very strange to me. I felt as though I was better than these people. At any rate, I was soon forced to move back to Cedar Rapids and start over again. Hi, Mom and Dad, it's me yes back again with the parents oh joy I didn't want to live there and I'm sure that's not where they wanted me either I really fell in love with the big city living when in Texas and like distance between me and my family remember I really didn't let anyone to my secret life and having distance between me and my parents was the ideal situation Shortly after moving back, I got a job at a startup company being run by former telecom executives. Wow, I couldn't believe it. I didn't need to stay at the parents very long after moving home. I should mention that during my stint in Texas, I had been getting closer to a woman friend I had known for many years whose husband had just left her and her three children. A bonus of having to move back to Cedar Rapids only after a year and a half was getting to be with Deborah and her three children. Their relationship with Deborah, although broken, was really the first time I felt wanted and needed. As an aside, Deborah is not her real name. I'm using Deborah to protect her privacy. I grew very close to Deborah and her children during the year and a half back in Cedar Rapids. I felt like a husband and a father. During this time back in Cedar Rapids, I really wasn't content or happy. I wanted to live in a big city again and wanted a different job. I recall asking God one day to help me find a new job in Big City. Amazingly, the gentleman who set me up with a job in Texas called me about a job in Kansas City for a company looking for someone to run their marketing department. I thought, wow, God, is this for real? I was so excited, but thought, there is no way I'm going to get it. Remember, I lacked that inner confidence. The company pays me to come down for the interview, and believe me, I've never been so nervous in all my life. But God was with me that day, and gave me the peace and words to say. I wanted that job badly. The company moved me down in March of 1994. It was hard to say goodbye to Deborah and the kids, but not anything or anyone else. There was still a rift between me and my parents. There needed to be healing, but it wasn't the time. I wanted to prove I could make it on my own. I didn't need any help. Here I go. God had a lot planned for me, and he knew I needed to go through many events in my life to heal all that was broken. Kansas City was a place that marked many milestones in my life. At age 31, I knew things had to change in my life, and moving to Kansas City was the time to make those changes soon after arriving i got in touch with a woman named pat smith may she rest in peace who ran a group called second chance ministries the group was dedicated to men and women who lived with same-sex attractions and wanted to move out of that lifestyle i remember some of her first words she would always say to someone wanting to join the group was do you believe do you believe in jesus and it all has to do with developing a personal relationship with jesus Your primary goal in being a member of this group was to develop a relationship with Jesus, nothing else. All else will follow. I began to attend these groups in spurts, going weekly for long periods of time, followed by not going for shorter periods of time, usually associated with living in sin. This would go on for years. I just wanted Jesus to fix me in spots and leave the rest to me. Ha, right. I didn't really understand relationships, especially someone I couldn't see. Those groups were life-saving in a world of chaos. Pat showed me what true love and acceptance was. You could tell her anything and she wouldn't judge. After many meetings and one-on-one counseling sessions, I was beginning to understand what relationship with Jesus meant. I could go to him anytime, even right after falling in sin. During my time with the group, I also signed up for Living Waters classes. These classes walked me through many of the broken areas of my life. It was during these times I experienced much healing in my relationship with my father and mother. I also experienced many healthy male relationships in my life, which unbeknownst to me, was contributing to my healing process. With all this healing, you'd think I'd be cured of homosexuality, wouldn't you? Well, that's what I wanted, and that's what I wanted everyone to know. Remember the woman and children I'd gotten so close to back in Cedar Rapids? Well, after taking on, talking on the phone every day and driving to visit them on weekends many times, I convinced Deborah she should move to Kansas City with her three children because jobs were plentiful. In 1996, she found a job and moved to Kansas City. Yes, we had grown close to one another and she knew all about my struggles in my life. There was something about being wanted and needed that really helped me feel grounded. I needed that and I think she felt safe with me. As soon as she moved down here, we decided to live together and play house. There was a sense of marriage in the air. I asked her to marry me in September of 96, shortly after moving into town. I really had no idea what I was doing. I still, had some, I still had same-sex attractions, which I tried to dismiss often. I would go to my meetings and counseling sessions and convince myself I was cured. <laughs> However, the engagement fell apart quickly after I fell again and again, usually after a night of partying. I was feeling trapped and I wasn't being honest with myself or Deborah. I moved out and got my own place again over the next several years i had seasons of growth with the lord and seasons of despair i enrolled in a master's program to help fill the emptiness and void in my life i always needed to be heading somewhere in my life i couldn't just stop and listen i had to go 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 I made trips to Exodus International Conventions, a Christian global alliance group dedicated to those who struggle with same-sex attractions, went to weekly support meetings, went to church occasionally, but was still having a hard time letting go of things. I couldn't die to myself. I just couldn't imagine living without drinking, smoking, and satisfying my carnal needs. I was always turning from that feeling of stagnancy in my life running I was always running from that feeling of stagnancy in my life my job paid well but I felt stagnant I would fill my life with other things like graduate school buying and remodeling a house and getting married yes getting married after we broke off our engagement a healthy couple would have moved on but we were a bit codependent and continued to stay friends and be involved in each other's lives. Whether it was right or wrong, I still felt responsible for Deborah and the kids moving to Kansas City and still cared for them very much. I wanted the best for them. In January of 1999, at age 37, I bought a house in Shawnee, Kansas and began to remodel it. I was experiencing a good season in my life and one day as though and one day felt as though I should again ask Deborah to marry me I was convinced it was the Holy Spirit who laid that on my heart but given the outcome I'm not so sure we were married in September of 2000 immediately I had an instant family with a 16 year old boy 11 year old girl and an 8 year old boy what was I thinking I distinctly remember one night, about a week after returning from our honeymoon, lying awake having a panic attack. I prayed to God to get me through this. He did take away the panic. I did, and I do love Deborah and the kids very much, and truly intended to make a positive difference in their lives. But because of my brokenness, and maybe some of her own brokenness, we just couldn't make it work. In May of 2002, I was laid off from a job that brought me to Kansas City. That was the beginning of my, one of my downward spirals in life. I tried my hand at being a stockbroker with UBS Payne Weber. Even though I loved the idea of being a stockbroker, I found the deep, that deep down I was scared that I would fail. There was a lot of temptation to drink in this job, which I had no problem partaking of, so I quit the job after six months. Next, I got a job in the advertising industry, working as an agency that I used to used when I was at CGI. I lost this advertising job due to drinking, uh, due to a drinking incident, only five months after getting it. During this time in my life, my insides were a mess. I had no confidence in who I was as a man, husband and father, and wasn't sure of my role in this world. I walked around feeling shame all the time. I was in a depressed state of mind due to all my choices and I had no idea how to escape. I began to drink more often and when I drank my guard was down and several times cheated on my wife with other men. I failed the marriage several times by seeking male companionship outside of the marriage. It crushed her and I don't think she could ever completely forgive my sins. I recognized how my actions truly affected someone else when being in a marriage. I never had to experience that before because I isolated myself from the people I loved. I was devastated at how my poor behavior hurt the people I loved and was desperate. I remember sitting outside in my backyard one day after feeling devastated by my behavior while drunk. I felt as low as low could go. I pleaded with the Lord to take away alcohol from me, to break the chain of that addiction in my life. That was the day I quit drinking. It is only because I truly decided to give it all to the Lord that he truly said, okay, I will take it. It'll be 13 years of sobriety this June 25th. I give all the glory to God. Okay, so now I'm sober. I started to see things a little clearer now, including my relationship with my wife and children. A month and a half after I got sober, I got a job with TSA. I never thought I'd be doing that. (laughs) But it was during this job that I experienced a lot of healing inside. At that job, I made lots of new friends from all walks of life. Many of those friends were close male friends that were based on healthy relating. I felt like one of the guys for the first time time in my life and I was in my 40s. I had a healing taking place between me and my gender. It was amazing. God was all over that. This job was an early morning job that really limited limited the time i got to spend with deborah and the kids which was probably good at the time i tried desperately to repair the damage i had done to my marriage i was seeking relationship with the lord by praying regularly and going to church sadly i went to church by myself because i lost my family and their respect i felt alone in my own home and tried desperately to repair the situation we had some good times but the damage was done after some time in sobriety i realized how broken our relationship was with one another and recognized it as a codependent relationship after several years of sobriety and living different schedules my wife and i grew apart i really felt our broken relationship was hindering our growth and wasn't healthy for anyone my need for love and acceptance that i was not receiving at home was forcing my same-sex attractions to the surface. I began to get on the internet and chat with men because I desperately needed to connect with someone. I truly thought that was behind me because I would blame it on the alcohol, but now I was sober and my attraction to men was making inroads in my life. I believe it began to rear its ugly head because of our broken relationship, but didn't know what to do about it. The communication between my wife and I was slim to none. We tried some counseling, but it just seemed as though we were grasping at straws. Finally, I said I've had enough, I want a divorce. Truth is, I felt outside of the marriage the whole time we were married. I thought that God would change that over time, but with a busy life and my dysfunctional and broken character, I could never put into words the truth about what I was, was going on inside me. I never asked to be attracted to men and I thought I did everything I needed to do to fix that truth is I never should have taken the position of wanting to be fixed that was the wrong angle I should have been focused solely on relationship with the Lord and let him take the driver's seat in my life (laughs) I should have been completely honest with my feelings before I was married to Deborah I was true it was truly my intention to be married for the rest of my life I love Deborah and her children and wanted to make a positive impact in their lives. I felt that I failed miserably in my marriage and I find it difficult to talk about. I know there are still unresolved feelings that children deal with and I trust the Lord will take them through those times when he deems appropriate. Deborah and I were officially divorced in June of 2011 after 11 years of marriage. Immediately following our divorce, I had the house to myself and finally felt the freedom to pursue the homosexual lifestyle I thought was the answer to my internal longings. However, deep down, I knew that wasn't the answer. I met several men through dating sites and tried to pretend this was what I wanted, but I knew it would be short-lived. I was still trying to grasp be, I was still trying to grasp at the idea of finding someone to love me for who I am. I tried to rationalize all that I had learned about the lifestyle and all the healing and realizations God had revealed to me over the years. I did find someone I had an interest in getting to know more deeply. We dated for about 3 months and I told him that if it didn't work out between us he'd be the last man I'd ever try to build a relationship with. Little did I know how true that statement would become. During the year of my divorce, I was terminated from my job for a ridiculous incident for which I did receive unemployment, leaving me in dire straits for money. I had been diagnosed with ADHD and depression very early on in my marriage and had been taking medication for both throughout most of my marriage. However, to save money, I quit taking my medications early in the year. The reality of my life and the choices I had made were beginning to weigh heavy on me. I was slowly falling into deep depression. I could feel my life caving in on me and I felt completely alone and helpless. The consequences of my sins suffocated me. Knowing that suicide was not the answer, I cried out to God and begged him for help. He heard me. God already had a plan, not the plan I wanted, but the plan he knew was best for me. Dad, it's Bill. I can't get out of bed. I think I need to come home, can I? It was the next day my parents drove down to rescue me. At age 49, I had hit the lowest level of my life. I felt helpless and out of control. My life was in shambles. I had failed marriage, no career, no money, no direction, and I felt a million miles away from God. Where was he? I tried to do the right thing, but my world collapsed on me. I felt as though God turned away from me. I thought I was just one of those men that God couldn't help or didn't want to help. I felt that way most of my life. I always felt that God, I always felt that for God to help me, I had to be performing at my best, making the right choices and putting on airs, pretending that things were really, pretending that things that were really tearing me apart were not that big a deal. I had to stay in control, but the truth of the matter was that years of trying to do That took its toll on my mental, spiritual, and physical health. I was completely a broken man. I was at my end. Now I had my tail between my legs and my parents were rescuing me, bringing me home. Well, back home again, almost 50 years old and living with parents, oh joy. This is not at all what I had envisioned for my life. Those first few months back at home were heart wrenching. I had terrible heartaches for my home and life in Kansas City. I couldn't believe where I was living. I'm sure my parents couldn't believe it either. I begrudgingly got up every day and went through the motions of life. I thankfully started working soon after arriving back in Cedar Rapids, which gave me a small sense of purpose each day. However, I found myself dreaming of what I had in Kansas City for over 18 years and struggled to let it go. I was back on my antidepressants and ADHD medication, which were diagnosed for me at age 40. I recall feeling as though I was completely emptied of everything in my life. Of all my dreams, aspirations, goals, interests, and even felt spiritually empty. I felt like a a barren desert. I was completely emptied on the inside. I even felt as though my Heavenly Father had left me. I wanted to be left alone. I dabbled with some of my old crutches like online men's dating sites just to get the sense that I was alive and to feel wanted by someone. It's like a drug that medicates the broken areas of my life. But thankfully, those crutches didn't last long. I knew the deep down truth about immediate gratification and how long-term, and the long-term effect of a life of hedonism. I knew God didn't want me to live such a shallow life. I just knew that maybe he had something better in mind I slowly began to realize that God was all over what was going on in my life I began to see hope I knew I really needed to reach out to my father in heaven and Jesus Christ I knew he needed to strip me completely of my old self I finally began to understand what it meant to die to self I meant completely die to self. My eyes were open to the reasons why I felt the way I did when I first moved back home. I was truly stripped of everything in my life. Everything I constructed as my persona and projected as who I thought I was. I needed to develop that deeper relationship with Jesus right now. I needed positive people and activities in my life to get to the better relationship with Jesus. I decided to join the gym and began some new routines in my life, like reading the word first thing every morning and praying every night before I went to bed. I contacted a priest who headed up the local chapter of Courage, a Catholic apostolate dedicated to helping people with same-sex attractions live a chaste and godly life. As much as I didn't wanna let go of everything in my life, I knew that God was calling me to live a chaste life, as he does for all those who are not married. Society will tell you the opposite about sex and relationships, especially if they're homosexuality if they're homosexual society is wrong. During During this crossroad in my life, I had to make some big decisions about who I am and who I want to become. The Lord laid laid it out plain as day to me. First, I had to admit to myself and the people around me that yes, I am same-sex attracted. I couldn't hide that fact. I had to own it. I couldn't wish it away. I had to understand that Jesus loves me for who I am today. God doesn't love me less because I'm attracted to men. Additionally, who I am attracted to doesn't define who I am. Jesus defines who I am. Some of those definitions are, I am God's child, born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, 1 Peter 1.23. I am washed, sanctified, justified, 1 Corinthians 6.11. I am filled with Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit. John 14, 15, 19, and 20. I am holy. 1 Peter 2.9, I am chosen, 1 Peter 2.9. I think in new ways, Philippians 4, 8 and 9. I am the apple of my father's eye, Psalm 17, 8. And I always triumph in Christ, 2 Corinthians 2.14. There are over a 100 ways that God tells us who we are in Christ in the Bible. These are the clothes the Lord gives us to wear, not secular definitions based on who we're attracted to. The second decision I had to make was, could I live a chaste life, as I believe the Father has called me to live? This question has taken some time to process. There are so many things the human body needs and desires. Intimacy with another is one of them. I must admit, I do sometimes long for the touch of another. To to feel important to someone else, to be desired by another. I believe God made us that way. There's nothing wrong with those needs. It's how we respond to those deep needs. That is the question. The world tells us that if it feels good, do it. That is the definition of hedonism. That is sin. With sin comes death. If I reflect on my desires for intimacy in this way, I can happily say that I will live a chaste life. And I can now say that it is my intention, but I also realize the sinful nature of my humanness. Therefore, I constantly need my Father's help in this area of my life. As I have grown in my relationship to the Lord, my desires have become much more manageable, even disappearing when in the past those desires ran my life like booze does for an unrecovered alcoholic. I've met several people who once lived the gay lifestyle who are now living happily married heterosexual lives. God makes all things work together for those who love him. Romans 8, 28. Over time, my relationship has been growing with Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit. Reading the word every morning has turned into 20 to 30 minutes of prayer time every morning. My relationship with my earthly father has improved. Relationships with others have also improved. I find myself to be less, less self-centered and more interested in the lives of others. I quit smoking almost five years ago and started eating healthier. I look forward to receiving the Eucharist at mass and want to be more involved in the church. I take advantage of the Sac- Sacrament of Reconciliation much more frequently. I am involved with a local chapter of Courage. With the help of Jesus, I have stayed sober, even through the very trying times of the last six years for a total of 13 years. Jesus has broken the chains of addictions in my life once and for all and continues to help me work on areas in my life in which I struggle. I realize it has been Jesus all along who carried me through my whole broken life. No matter what my destructive behavior was, he was always there. It was I who left the relationship, not him. He continually kept trying to pull me back to himself, but he lovingly kept letting me do what I thought I needed to do. Slowly over time, he gently moved me towards where I needed to be, working on little pieces of my broken self here and there until finally I was prepared for some major remodeling. These last five years of my life, God has done a full restoration of my human vessel. My relationship with him improves every day. I trust him more every day. I discover who I am more every day. I understand my purpose to becoming more holy and saint-like every day. If you or someone you love, struggles with same-sex attraction, I invite you to check out CourageRC.org or speak with Father Jerry Kapacek, who is actually in our audience today. Where are you, Jerry? There he is. From the Archdiocese of Dubuque. Or Father Tom Hennan with the Davenport Diocese. He's here as well. Where are you, Father Tom? There he is. They, they head up the local chapters of Courage and Encourage and would be happy to speak with you. I invite you, no matter where you are in life or how you view yourself, to trust in Jesus to remodel your life. He's got an awesome plan for you. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day. God bless.